Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, welcome to this episode of the Australian Investors Podcast. It's good to be here. This table is wobbly. Um, Wherever we are. Wherever we are, we're in the studio. (laughs) Okay, question for you. If you could pick one prime minister to be your sole portfolio manager for the rest of your life, who would you pick and why? What, historical prime minister of Australia? Could be anything, current. Of Australia? Of Australia, No, of North Korea. Oh, gee. (laughs) I, I don't know. I've always, you know... Bob Hawke seemed like a good guy. So, I think it's hard to go past Bob Hawke, Hawk, isn't probably, it? Yeah. You probably just <laughs> like- Just keep him off the cans and we'll- <laughs> <laughs> You probably nationalised Carlton United Brewing. And- <laughs> um, that's a good one, yeah. Particularly when he- Apparently, he didn't drink when he was in office. So, that's probably- You want him to- oh, really? The Bob Hawke that was in office, not the <laughs> not the Bob Hawke sculling yard glasses on the weekend. Okay, here's another question that leads on from that one. If you were picking a portfolio manager to manage your wealth- and you were out to dinner with them. Would you want them to drink or not? Definitely. You want them to drink. Yeah. Lighten up a bit. Exactly. Well, and what would you want them to drink? Oh, nothing too too bad. Maybe something similar to my taste. So, okay. What's that? Negroni. <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> nothing beats you know, a glass of champagne. Oh, really? To open, maybe into a, a bit of mum. Yeah, maybe a pinot. Pinot. Yeah. Like oh, I pinot or chardonnay. I'm pretty traditional. I could go with a pinot. To be honest, and not right now. Cleanse. It's seven thirty in the oh. eight o'clock in the morning. A beer is a palate cleanser oh, to finish the meal. I've got a story for you. Oh, actually, no. here we go. <laughs> These are really hard hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah, I know, straight into it. I've got a. So I was sitting. I won't. I'm not going to name names because it would be horrendous <laughs> to say this. One of Australia's biggest CEOs. He's a founder, and he, um, he's very well known. He doesn't listen to us, does no, he? No, I don't know. Don't know. I was sitting the other morning at about 10.30, just across the road here at 101 Collins in the cafe there. First time I've been there. Not bad. Um, it wasn't uh, Ellen Joyce, was it? No, <laughs> it wasn't Ellen Joyce. But hang on that for a moment. Hang on that thought. And I was sitting there. I was sitting there with these two guys that are investors. And I see someone walk past. I'm like, wait a second. You know how you know someone? You're like, I don't know where I know you, but you look familiar. Like some, He's older than me, so we definitely didn't go, go to school together or something. And I was looking up and I go, do the old double take. I'm like, holy shit, that's... Anyway, this was 10.30 in the morning. Me and the guys were getting some coffees. He had a Negroni, didn't he? 
He was sitting down with about five or six other blokes, all in their 50s and 60s. Um, and I look across at the table. He's just gone up to the cafe counter and got the coffee order or whatever. Waitress comes over, delivers their drinks. They're all just get, you know sucking down a latte or whatever they've got. He's got a full bottle of rosé for himself. <laughs> And this is one of the biggest CEOs. Yeah, oh yeah, he was the only one drinking. Yeah. He got one glass in a ch- in a nice ice chiller with a bit of rosé there. While everyone else is having talking strategy. Obviously, one hundred and one Collins in Melbourne. For those of you that don't know, is like I think it's like, the building. Yeah, it's like we're the- like directly behind it. We're not yeah. in it. We're behind it. We're in the basement behind it. No. Very non one hundred and one Collins over here. But it's the most. I think it's the most expensive. Is it the most expensive lease or something like this in Australia or Southern Hemisphere? It's something crazy. Very close to yeah. Yeah, um, it is the place to be seen in investing in finance. And if you've been through the building, you know what we're talking about. Anyway, I was. <laughs> this guy's known for his antics. Stocks performed pretty well over the long term. Had some volatile periods during COVID, and um, I got to say, like it was, it was good to see. True is to he, label. Is he still in the job? He's still in a job. All right. Yeah. So it's yeah. very hard to kick him out. I'll say that much. Okay. You can probably guess who it is. Um, write your answers in too. Now, um, ASX list companies <laughs> that have 101 Collins as their main address. No, no, no. So he was. So he wasn't from there. So this is the, uh, oh. the final hint. He had must have fl- Macquarie or something. flown in. From interstate. A, I mean, in his defence, it might have been another time zone. Who knows? Well, it could have been. Yeah, you and I have been. It's PM all over the somewhere. Country, so yeah, <laughs> he, maybe he thought it was three PM. It's in the Rose afternoon. o'clock somewhere. <laughs> so Drew Meredith from Waddle Partners uh, Financial Planning, based in Melbourne. You've been all over the place, but you serve yeah. you serve customers and clients everywhere across the country. Um, how you going? Solid. Going well. Busy week. Solid. <laughs> if someone asks you how you going, you say solid. solid. Does that mean you've been in the gym? Yeah, definitely. Okay. That's where, where I haven't been for like three weeks. But, okay. Uh, yeah, I've had a fun, three, was it three weeks ago, two weeks ago? Three. We're in Brisbane Gold Coast. Yeah. And then you went away. Had a quick holiday You're- in Sunshine Coast, uh, Sydney last week. Where do you live? <laughs> in Melbourne. In Melbourne. No- yeah. Northeast Melbourne. Okay. Here's, wait, here's a thing that Kinnish Jug from um, Global X uh, told me once. So, when you travel often for work, you need to have like a separate bag, separate toothbrush, separate everything that's just ready to go in like a little suitcase. So you're not picking it up. So, you don't have to pack it and pick it up and do all this sort of stuff. Do you have something like that on the go? Not at all. I just throw it all in the bag the night before. Always make sure runners are in the bag. You look very trendy um, though when you travel it. though. We'll say that. It's what trendy a word. What about July luggage? Is that you got July. July's Melbourne based, isn't yeah, it? July's yeah. um get your luggage from July. Not yeah. sponsored, but July if you're listening. Send us a discount code, yeah. please. Yeah. Um what's news in the world of Drew? I mean every everything. You're keeping track of the market this week? I am. From the perspective oh. probably mostly US stocks actually. Big one is we're off to future proof. Yes. So Jamie and I head to future proof on Saturday. Super excited for that. So, you've just come back from three weeks on the road and then you're going away again. (laughs) One of them was a holiday. You can't- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel some judgment coming across the table here. No, no. I think it's great. No wonder you're looking tanned. (laughs) No, no, no. Yeah, we're pumped for future proof. Um, I mean, I think we kind of- Probably the US does it too, but in Australia, you kind of- It's going to be get a bit narrow and you kind of focus on what's happening here. But we're going over there. We've got a meeting with Betterment. So, the the investment platform platform runs over there. Uh, heaps of different financial advisory groups we're, we're catching up with and just finding out what's happening in a different part of the world because we get stuck in our own, the legislative change and the politics that happen here. So, it'd be good to kind of open your mind again mm. and then doing some meetings in New York um, as well. Oh, you find across to New York? Yeah. 
Can you reveal what you're doing over there? Are you going to get hot dogs? <laughs> We're going to get hot dogs. We're going to get up with Ritholtz Wealth Prince, Management. Pretzels. Our, our friends over at Ritholtz Wealth Management, friends of the show. We're trying to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As hard as we can, I'm going to try and uh, ambush Mike them Batman at some point. Josh yeah. Brown and team. They're live podcasting on stage. Just like, yeah, I saw just that. Like I we did. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Copy Adelaide. <laughs> Hopefully Sophia doesn't turn up. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I won't say, do not say anymore. Uh, wait, is that this button? No, it's not that button. Anyway, I thought there was like an ominous sounding one. Is that this one? Yeah, that's yeah. the Andrew Terriman <laughs> button. That's a future one. Uh, that's a future camera. No, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm spilling I can't come across the future. If I don't see him, it's probably the number one thing that I'm really devastated I can't get there. But I think it's going to be awesome on Huntington Beach. Um, the sun's going to be out. Gun's going to be out. It's 35 degrees. <laughs> 70% humidity. <laughs> and these, so just so you know, Future Proof is the world's biggest conference for like financial professionals, but mainly the people that are like forward looking, not the people that are seeking to retire in the next 10 years. It's people that want to innovate and change. Yep. As you said, open-minded. And um, it's really great because they have the stages on the beach and it's it's a bit of fun. It's kind of like, it reminds me of like the zero cons. I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen one of those, but um, zero con is like celebrating accountants. Yeah. And it's an opportunity to like really be passionate and learn about your craft, which is cool. What about in the world of the economy, Dr. Andrew Derrimuth? GDP. GDP. Give it and to me. And some big news around oil prices this week too. So inflation in the <clears throat> the market dropped overnight mm-hmm. in, in the US anyway, because the oil price has just gone over 90 bucks a barrel again. And this is, I mean, this is the hard part about uh, inflation and um, interest rates, isn't it? Mm. We've been increasing interest rates to try and get people to stop spending, but then Russia and Saudi Arabia decide to cut production and the oil price goes above 90 bucks again and that will add significantly to inflation. Yeah. And uh, will interest rates fix that? It's hard to see more incremental rate increases impacting on the demand for oil on the other side. I feel like a lot of the pressure is already there. Mm. Um, Actually, speaking of inflation, I'm going to cut you off. Last week, you said you went to Waddle Day. Um, yes. Where you took all the, not all, but some of the Waddle clients who came along and you went to the Yarra Valley, probably bought a few ch- Chardonnays over there. Yeah, if you've looked under my desk, there's quite a few bottles <laughs> under there. <laughs> um, you had Bill Mitchell. Prof- we did. Is it Professor Bill Mitchell? And we had him at the event in Sydney last night too. How did he go at Waddle Day? He was great. Uh, we did a bit of Q&A with him. Yep. And I mean, he's got some, for, for most people, some unique concepts. But for a lot of people in finance, they kind of understand it yep. a little bit more. And then even at our event of financial advisors, the, the mix of people who understood or uh, not necessarily agreed, but but could could uh, comprehend, it. comprehend it was quite yeah. broad. Okay. Um, but so he's he's the founder of modern Mon- modern monetary theory. Talks about the role of def you know deficits and surpluses within the economy, and how central banks really work. So that was really well received. A few people were were a bit surprised we'd have a speaker like that because he is. You know, one of the first questions was, you, you're clearly on the left side of politics and his view is that this sort of policy is not left or right. He he tilts to one side as a person, but the policy is not, it's it's essentially the way the economy works or a way to explain the economy. So, it's not, it's politically um, independent. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, yeah, back to forecasting interest rates. Dr. Andrew Derrimuth, Esquire, as our resident um, economist, What's the latest in the world of interest rates? Yeah, bond yields are up in the US. Bond yields are up. Mainly because Kaboom. I think interest rates will go up because oil prices are going up. So, it's this kind of, you know, reverse. What's their headline inflation figure though? I feel like it was coming down quite significantly over the last few months. And it then there's a little has, bit of a yeah. jerk, a little bit of a knee jerk back up, but- 
the trend is down. The trend is significant. It went from down like a rolling 9% to under 3% rolling on a monthly basis. And we like to annualize, you know, we do. monthly. Oh, you can annualize anything. Inflation results. Yep. My coffee went up 2% but, today. That's how much over a year. But uh, I think you, you're seeing most of the main ish, main drivers of inflation, which I, I think we answered on stage two, um, disappear. So a lot of the supply chain issues are starting to disappear. You've actually got deflation in China. Uh, and it's the question is a lot, uh, all those things that are left. Uh, the drives that are left, are they actually controlled by interest rates or do we have to do something else? Yeah. And that's part of um, Bill Mitchell's kind of discussion uh, and his key points were around the fact that fiscal fiscal policy and, and deficits mean the government's putting more money into the economy mm-hmm. and that means they're taking up more of the available resources and you're running out of resources. So wage mm-hmm. growth goes up, all these other price of everything goes up. So. It's not necessarily uh, interest rates that are going to help that, but cutting back spending at some point. Um, we don't want to get too political, though. No, no. But it's really interesting because it's just it because the actual idea of modern monetary theory, like we've already got that. We already stimulate and then tax, but we just don't have the kind of unified effort because we've always had two independent bodies being like the rate setter, the RBA in Australia, and the government of the day. So you have two different policies with uh, two different institutions with tension constantly. Yeah. Um, whereas what modern monetary theory, in my opinion, seems to suggest is that they need to work together, otherwise it doesn't work. As in, if someone is trying to stimulate the economy, they need to then balance that with taxes or some other type of handbrake somewhere else to control the economy more. Yeah, exactly. And some people don't like that. Just so to talk about it, <clears throat> a surplus means you, you know, a private sector person, there's money going out of the economy mm. and your wealth going out to the government. Mm. And a deficit means the government's putting more money into the economy, which is more going to the private sector. Mm-hmm. This is a kind of reverse of everything you've kind of learned over a long period of time. So Yeah, but supply demand, mate. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, but GDP, so, yep. I mean, it, I couldn't tell you how many people predicted a recession. Remember every event you went to late last year? Yeah. We're still waiting for it. It is looking a lot like a softish landing, yeah. or maybe Con- a retake off. Who knows? <laughs> 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 That's better than hearing my laugh all the time. Isn't it? <clears throat> well, I forgot we had that button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, okay. So GDP landing. growth 0.4 percent for the quarter, which wasn't bad, but uh, a, a lot of it apparently has been driven by that surge in inflation. So you know we're still talking about a per capita recession where mm-hmm. GDP growth is only going because more people are coming to the country, and that stopped for a few years. But a lot of it apparently is driven by the ex, you know, export of services or uh, tourists, and uh, you know I don't want to say that, but, <laughs> but immigration <laughs> increasing, uh, and so but the economy. Economic growth rates down to 2.1% year on year from about 2.4 last quarter. Mm. So it's definitely slowing. Interest rates are having an impact, but in different ways to what people expected. And the consumer is probably struggling the most. Mm. But you see the dollar? No, it's not, oh, not a good time yeah, to yeah. go to the US. Yeah, I saw that actually. But this is the thing, mate. We've just pinged straight past that two standard deviations, just so you know. Um, but what it basically means is Aussie dollar's falling. I saw some hoo ha about do interest rate differentials actually predict. Uh, currencies and something that I'm working on at the moment with the team. Um, basically, what typically happens is if interest rates are expected to go up in one geography, that currency strengthens. Yeah. So, our dollar would become weaker in effect. And what we're seeing is people thinking that interest rates in the US will go up. So, exactly. you're going to get better rates on your term deposit over there. 63 cents. 
Yeah, it's oh, pretty yeah. low. Yeah. I'd say this is a time to be strongly considering a few actions in a portfolio. Yeah. Personally, like not you know, it's not all or nothing. Don't go like 100% one way. But I think it's a strong indication to start considering what are your alternatives? Do you bring money back? That's an option. Do you hedge? That's an option. Hedge the incremental dollar, yep. Yep. Yeah, there's a especially if you're in retirement where you don't have the tax implications that the accumulators have. It'd be start, it'd be hard for a lot of people if you got the IVV or, you know, the VDH uh, the, the more the VE not VEU. VGS, VGS, because you're probably sitting on pretty solid capital gains on those. Yeah. So maybe there are other ways to hedge your currency rather than taking um, yeah, capital gains the, on a business drop. But if you're in pension phase like our clients, well, we can make that decision. And Yeah. So you've got two people. You've got people that don't get taxed, which is what the yeah. finance world is made for, like your clients. And then you've got <laughs> my bros and gals over this side of the fence that get taxed to help. Post-franking credits. <laughs> Post-franking credits, kids. Um and for us, it's not an easy decision because there's so much frictional cost in ch- making a change like that. So the one way you can do it is, just, as Drew said, incremental dollar. Um, you may also need to be strategic around, you know, if you've got a gold ETF, maybe you can hedge a different way. Um, I think over the long term, things should work out. But over the next three to five years, the currency can have a big predictive um, ability on your portfolio's outcome. So you can lose a lot of value, not money, but value. If the uh, Aussie dollar rallied strongly from this point, you're invested in US oh, yeah. shares well, look at, unhedged. Let's take it. Let's do a double whammy. I always think of this in terms of double whammies with currency because it's an extra decision layer. Um, you could be stuck in US dollars. That sounds bad, but you could be stuck in US dollars and you could be heavy fang. Let's say something <laughs> happens, right? Drew's, Drew started sweating. Um, but let's say, for example, Fangs turns around and the tech stocks don't rally as much as they were and they fall for a change for whatever reason. I don't think they will, to be honest. Frankly, I don't think they will. But for whatever reason they did, you would lose on the, the, the stocks and you would lose on the currency. And that's the double whammy. Both of those things happening is, in my opinion, unlikely. Do you still want to invest in the US? Absolutely. I better say absolutely. That's really Australian of me. Um, so it's just a decision that people can make. I, I the thing is, when you get a hedged product, so let's say you go to the hedge version of, I think BetaShares has got an S P five hundred hedge version or something like that, right? When you go to one of those funds, you're going to pay extra basis points. I think the iShares one is like ten basis points more than the unhedged one. It's not a lot in the scheme of things, but it is more. So you can see why some financial advisors just go split it down the middle. Yeah, yeah, and asset consultants as well. Yeah, yeah, half to that one, half to this one. I think, and there's a question, I think it's on the finance podcast, which which talks about like the short-term decisions in investing. As you said, the long-term part, the long-term is, I think you're going to be fine, but it could be incredibly volatile and, and difficult for oh, yeah. a three-month period when, and we know the Australian dollar moves incredibly quickly. So I think the most money I've ever made in a short period of time came from buying US tech when the Aussie dollar was like a parody. Dollar 10, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is incredible. Why don't I just do this all the time? Well, we made a, you remember the decision we made in COVID in like the March, swap? April 20th. No, no, this was cu- currency hedging. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So we went into a long only 15 stock global equity portfolio. It fell like 20%. We hedged, we switched to where I had losses so we mm. could unrealize losses. So we could switch to the hedge version. The hedged version outperformed by 25%. I think in the next six months, and we got clients back to break even in a short period of time, and why you go moved on? Yeah, party time. Yeah, <laughs> not really. 
<laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. And that's a, I'd say it's probably is one of the overlays on a portfolio that needs real thought. Um, like when a say, dynamic or a tactical. Yeah, you just got to have a strategy for it, whatever the strategy might be. And it might be that two standard deviations, which makes a bit of sense for a lot of folks. Might be the split it down the middle type thing. But just have some strategy in place so you can take that off your consideration list. There's so many other things for you to think about. Like, is the name Rob Arnott reminding you of biscuits? <laughs> <laughs> you must be hungry. You having uh, a breakfast? <laughs> I actually did have a beautiful cheese and a jalapeno and chicken uh, toasty. Uh, do you have chicken for breakfast is it can i do a hypothetical yeah go for it but a buy sell hold <laughs> yeah buy sell hold. Is, is chicken a breakfast food people should write in and let us know um it's a hard no i love chicken as much as the next person but not a breakfast food it's not kfc style chicken let's be honest it's a mayo and jalapeno <laughs> toasty with a bit of salt on top that's not it. I, had anyway. to, I had the same thing for dinner on a flight last when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What would you do, Drew, if I called you right now? I'm like, doctor, <laughs> doctor, um, I, I'm thinking I might sell everything. I heard something on the news about dot, dot, dot. Are you reading my notes? Yep. Yep. I actually had this happen last week and I just didn't respond. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's like you've got a good, you mentioned Rob Arnott, Arnott Biscuits. Yep. Um, not Arnott Biscuits. <laughs> not at all, but whenever I saw his name. <laughs> I've always thought that. He's basically saying that NVIDIA could be the biggest bubble in the history of bubbles and it's giving us a reminder of what bubbles are, which it's just a reminder of this happens all the time. Every day, there's so many reasons to sell everything. Um, and I got a call from a, a client, I think, last week. He's not even, you know, we've spent years removing, reducing him from 90% equity risk to like 60% to a more balanced portfolio. But his still natural tendency is to want to sell everything and go back to cash oh, on this perception that there's living something- Living in a fantasy, mate. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we found that, I mean, the, and we know that the longer you, you're staying invested and making sure you're diversified uh, is the only way to generate longer-term returns. And I've unfortunately, I've seen him sell and buy, at that, sell at the bottom and buy at the top. Doesn't, doesn't listen to the podcast, of um, course. And then, yeah. So, I th it's a bit, it's just a reminder of all those headlines that come out. And that's probably a, a great segue to the Rob Arnott piece, which is that there's always going to be enough reasons to sell. Mm. But it's always incredibly difficult to buy. And you can, I mean, people will say they time the market. We, we just said we, we hedged one thing. But that was one decision for like 2% or 3% yeah. of a portfolio. Yeah. Um, but it, it happens all too often, even from- Young you'd people expect is, to be oh, experienced investors as well. Young people, old people, everyone I was going to say makes this mistake. Even some professionals make this mistake. They kind of get this huge rush of confirmation bias when they think something in their head and they see someone else say it and then they make these wild, wild decisions. So that's why I think like just writing something down, even if you just have two paragraphs for your strategy, that's such an easy thing to do. The last few uh, market crashes we've had, they've only lasted like, Two weeks. Yeah. So you're one. You have to guess that not be incredibly early, and then not be exposed to the ass. Like, what if the issue comes that it's something to do with inflation and the part that's supposed to protect your portfolio, like bonds, uh, 
falls as well. Not saying that it's, that's going to happen. Or what if interest rates fall immediately and the money you had in cash and you're now generating 0% on it? I mean, um, some macro hero out there will jump into a spreadsheet and- Golden rules, yeah. And they'll be like, yeah, well, you could have done this and done that and this day and that day. And you'll be like, yeah, great. But I'm firmly convinced that most people- Lose. I think I believe that so much more money has been lost waiting for the next crash yep. than actually in the crash itself. I actually, I can't like think of everyone that you know who's like, oh, it's going to crash soon. If they just invested, <laughs> like they would make so much more money than trying to be, you know, the gift. We had Vimal Gore on stage at our event. Oh, Vimal, yeah, in, what a legend. Um, Melbourne in Sydney yesterday. Yeah, uh, and the first question. Wait, didn't he go crypto? I might have stitched him up. Yeah, <laughs> and his first answer, which is which is the perfect one, because so for for context, he ran Pendle's fixed income. Yeah, it's great. Like great a manager. Bond, like a Bill Gross of Australia, he'd probably like that comparison. Yeah. Um, until Bill Gross, yeah, maybe not the end <laughs> of the Bill Gross. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's an inside finance joke. I think. Um, but basically, he when interest rates got to zero or close to zero, he said, naturally, as a bond manager, I, there's not much I can do. I think fixed yeah. income is uninvestable for a period of time. He did say That's that. It's yeah. changed significantly now that interest rates are now 4.5% and he got asked that question. But one of, the, one of his best answers was, well, everyone knows I was right. I was just very early. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it was like two and a half years early yeah, yeah. For, for what eventually came. Um, which is it, what I mean. What you're saying here, you, even the the smartest people in individual asset classes can't predict what's going to happen with any level of certainty. And then one of our golden rules, you know that one. Do you remember that one? E equals MC squared. No. Gravity. Don't bet the house on your base case. Oh yes, don't ha- don't prepare for a certain future. Be strong enough to basically for any future. Exactly. So yeah. our portfolio is ready for an inflation, deflation, stagflation. Mm. There's different assets will perform well in different environments. Mm. That's good. I like it. Um, I remember Vimal coming on the show. God, that Pendle office was lovely when we did an interview up there. I was like, I am out of my depth. It's on a leather bound <laughs> chair, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, glass all around it, looking over Sydney. <laughs> anyway, um, other news from anything other than maybe Qantas. Uh, in the news this week. We're not allowed to touch on Qantas? Or no, we can night? touch on Qantas. I think we gave him a bit of a bash up a, last week. What was the whole retire early thing? There was a good Everyone comment. Everyone said um, retire early. From, Why did they use that phrase, retire early? Who said retire early? Like all the headlines about um, Joycey going away from the- He's not retiring. But that was the that was the headline, wasn't it? I'm going to Google this while I'm on the fly. Everyone said retire early. And I was like, that doesn't make any... Why is everyone saying that? We, did yeah. a, we had an office, we had a speaker talking about crisis management. J- Joyce, news.com.au. Qantas CEO Alan Joyce walks away. Um, but people were saying like early exit. It was early exit. Oh, he was due to leave in about three or four months time. Retires early, says YouTube ABC. Like early. He's not retiring. Says He's seven like news. 50. Early exit, Man, says the project. Got something like $24 million in... The Guardian's not holding back. Cash. Alan Joyce quits immediately. <laughs> I was on a Qantas flight the when the breaking news high. came through. Oh, really? Were yeah. you worried? Yeah, we just changed our policy again, too. What'd you go back to? You went to Qantas. Two weeks ago. Yeah. And now, now we're it- off Qantas. <laughs> <laughs> Make your mind up. There was, I mean, there was a great question. So, you know, Muriel in our office when yeah, we Muriel. got off the plane last night. Uh she asked that's the question. So, what, for context, we were on an eight, eight o'clock flight out of Melbourne. We arrived, and the um, what do you call it? The aero bridge. Oh yeah, didn't work. 
So we're literally trapped on a plane for like 20 minutes and we get off and, and, and she asks a question. So how do, how do you know, airlines keep you trapped on there for 25 minutes and provide no level of compensation? Just walk off and go home. So should they be compensating you for that? And they cancel flights all the time. You don't necessarily get compensation for any of those things, only if you have to stay overnight. It is a horrible experience. Yeah. Like, have you ever experienced that? What I like, well, I'd, I don't know what I'd call it, actually, come to think of it. But, like, when you get that moment, you're like, damn, i got some virgin velocity points, boy. And yeah. then you go in and you're like, huh, same for four years. I can buy about one, one quarter of a toaster. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to book flights and it's like, you could fly to LA with your points. And then you log in and it's like six times the amount of points that you have. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, it's a great business, but that's you don't- I don't like, it's Flights a are cancelled, flights are pushed. You yeah. lose your seat. You have to rebook, all these sort of things. You don't, unless you're really noisy, it's hard to get any sort of- I did see a, bo- a brand new Bonza plane on the tarmac. I've never flown with Bonza. Don't do it. Oh, yeah, I've really? heard don't do it. Well, anyone that's flown with Bonza, let us know. It's a beautiful plane. I was, I was on this old um, Flocker 100 going to Townsville the other day, and <laughs> Flocker Walker. <laughs> it's a Flocker. Uh, that's actually the name. It's not one of those ones you steer, you pedal with your feet, but it was like a similar type <laughs> of plane. And, um, we're all like, this thing's going to go down for sure. Um, anyway. Like, they didn't even do food or anything on that thing. What a first world problem. Qantas was good. They had a ch- uh, chicken toasty. It was oh, nice really? for our last flight on Qantas to get. <laughs> See you later, Qantas. <laughs> but aren't you near? You're near. Anyway, we're but going the, way off track down the, to the, the virgin velocity but, the, but the, answer, the, the short answer to that is it's oligopolistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, 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 you're basically, like you're talking about monopoly. So, if you're in a monopoly environment, like a transurban, all these other companies, you, you don't have to- Mm. Reef like you, you, mm. you don't have to refund your customers. Like in a lot of other businesses, you'd be giving all sorts of discounts or vouchers, but it's a monopoly, so you don't have a choice. If you want to go to Sydney, you got two options, really. Yeah, let's spit some venom in another direction. <laughs> um, you know, we always talk about Qantas and how it's blah 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 blah. Okay, it does get a lot of handouts, which is questionable. But if you want to talk about like dominance, look at Transurban. Yeah, there's no company in Australia that would probably be more dominant than that. Maybe yeah. CBA, you could say. Like, it is- You're on a road, you're paying Transurban. <laughs> you're paying Transurban. In one way or another. Yeah. Uh, and that's insane. That that business model is insane because they can think in 99-year leases when the government of the day has got three years. And their ability to get new roads or get the work from the government and, and keep expanding is massive. Yeah. We don't, we're getting pretty uh, political, political this week, aren't we? Aren't we? It's, this yeah. is, it's the early morning recordings. Um, <laughs> so, other news- uh, I wrote a blog the other day, um, at 10 AI stocks. Didn't intend to write it about that. Did you write it with ChatGPT or did you actually write it? No, I actually wrote it. Um, I know, crazy, right? Uh, but I, I wrote that the other day and it was really just to give people something because what we're seeing on the road shows so far, if you've come to any of the road shows, basically everyone wants to know about how to get your partner involved in money. Secondly, AI stocks. AI this, AI that, AI this, AI that. It is definitely a big thing. Yeah, massive. Huge. It's going to change the way our world works in many respects. But don't make a mistake for thinking that everything that slaps an AI or machine learning or buzzword on its financial statement is investable. There we use ChatGPT. If we put out an annual report and said we're leveraging ChatGPT in our business, maybe we'll get a- Maybe get a high valve. <laughs> Do it. Probably get more customers. We're not going to raise capitals. Um, so, 
The other thing is we've got some events coming up. If you're on LinkedIn, you might have seen the Waddle Partners event in October 26th, I'm going to say off the top of my head. Free event. If you're over 45, it's for you. If you're under 45, come to a Rask Roadshow instead. Uh, there's one in Wangaratta. There's one in Newcastle. There's one in Port Macquarie. And, of course, the big mama. Oh, Sydney. Sydney. Oh, boy. Uh, it's going to be a big one. <clears throat> Can reveal some of the guests. Dr. Andrew Derrimuth headlining the show. Uh, Drew Meredith's a distant second. 10 predictions. They're up for 10 predictions <laughs> yeah, for 2024. Yeah, here we go. You got it. Okay. No, it's on record now. No, seriously, you could do that. It'll be fun. Dr. Andrew Derrimuth's 10 predictions. You will get them only if you're at the Sydney event. Oh, you watch the live stream. Um, Sydney event. Um, we have, I think, Glenn James is going to do a bit of an icebreaker from My Million of Money. We've got the Perla team. Can I say five predictions? Five. Yeah, ten's yeah. a lot. That's people go to sleep. Um, Jamie, I think, is going to be there. Kate, of course. Jess Brady, financial advisor, I think. Yes. Um, we've got Pete Wargent, Chris Bates, Amy Lonardi, Daniel and Jordan from the business podcast, um, Evan Lucas. Uh, we've got Magellan there, Elisa DeMarco. Uh, we've got, oh, I can't even remember. There's so many wonderful people that are making the trip north to Sydney from Melbourne or south from Queensland or east from everywhere else. Come along to the event. It's $40 for a ticket. You might even get yourself a bit of Rask merch, get some brand new embroidered beanies or a teeny, teeny weeny beanie to keep your trading head warm in winter. Uh, and you can get a cap so you don't get sunburnt this summer. It's going to be a hot one, blackouts in Melbourne. Okay, so uh, tickets for all of those things are in the show notes. Of course, you can get financial planning, mortgage broking, any of that sort of stuff through Rask these days. Uh, just click the link below. You can go to Waddle Partners as well. Um, it's, well, that's where you go anyway. So um, hypotheticals for you, Drew. We've got a little bit of time. No, wait. You've put one here, best investment destination. What the heck does that mean? Like what city would be best for investment research management? I didn't think of this. Think of a lot about this question. Well, you, you mean know, like, like, like not, you're not buying a property. That's not what you're saying by best no, investment. No, I mean like people might say Omaha. Oh, that's why you said don't say Omaha. So like Paris. Before. Is it London? Oh. Like I'm going to New York and we're meeting some, oh, well, if some you wanna- six six. Interesting groups in New York, or yeah. you know, Orange Alicia County is Keys, home mate. to Pimco, and and WCM is part is in uh, Huntington Beach. Zug, no. Um, if you want to, Chicago's known for small caps. If you want to, uh, not pay no tax. Florida. Cayman Islands. So, okay, in Australia, it's undoubtedly Sydney. Yep. For if well, you if you, you want could, to work you in could the finance, if you like. If you, so, you want mining, you go to Perth. If you want like investment research, it's Sydney. But if you want to work for an institution, you come to Melbourne, I think. Yeah. I think all the big funds are here, like the big um, pension funds and that type of stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean you get a job in it. It just means that they're here. Um, you see their names on the buildings and whatever. Um, I, you know, it, okay, you want my honest answer? Doing what I'm doing right now, I reckon the best place to do it would be Noosa. <laughs> 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 Say that for everything. <laughs> uh, good fishing, good weather, good people. Bit expensive. Probably that's probably the one part that puts me off. But um, no, you got to say New York for cap uh, equity markets. Probably London for no oh, debt markets. Oh, multi asset. Multi asset, maybe maybe. Honkers. Hong Kong for emerging markets. Yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon? That China growth story. Hong Kong, Singapore. Yeah, Singapore maybe. Yeah, Singapore maybe. It's Apparently, really the humidity is quite oppressive though. So. Yeah, but you get beers over there though. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. So, what would you? What would you? Okay, 
one answer only. I said Noosa. Where would you go? New York. New York. Yeah. I think if you can um, make I'll it there, you can make that, it anyway. I'll re-answer that question in, a, in two weeks' time. Okay. Yeah, See let if us I know. still agree. Let us know. Yeah. Okay. Um, will AI make stock pickers redundant? That's yes. my question for you. Why? No, I don't think AI is making stock pickers redundant, but I think the we'll, Jamie and I were talking about this business partner on the way home from the airport last night. Yeah. Um, that the growth in passive investing has made you know the the traditional approach to active management. You can see the fee compression and the competition that's happening in that sector. And so I don't think they're redundant. It's just getting harder and harder to stand out in in stock picking and active management. To be completely honest, I mean most of, you could say indexing is the original form of. AI potentially, <laughs> sir. Like automating. <laughs> I just asked. I have proof here. I have proof that it is not going to take your job, unless, unless I do something. I asked Google Bard, "Who is Dr. Andrew Derrimuth?" The only question that really matters in investing, and it said to me, "I couldn't find any publicly available information about a Dr. Andrew Derrimuth on the web. There is an article on Rask Media <laughs> titled Prometica's." Zero and Telstra killing it. <laughs> <laughs> and why Dr. Andrew Derrimuth is off my Christmas card list. <laughs> <laughs> the article does not provide any information about Dr. Derrimuth's background or qualifications. It's good to know. <laughs> and where he got his doctorate, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Um, so, the answer is yes, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I th but I think there's just generally this competition in the industry. There was a, I think it was a McKinsey or some other, some other okay. consulting group did research, and they one in five or one in six wealth management, like funds manage, funds management companies wouldn't exist in five years' time, whether that's through takeover or different reasons. But the growth of passive investing, which you could say is driven loosely by yeah. <laughs> artificial intelligence and and beta, is putting massive pressure on this. There's no doubt that like. A lot of those active fund, the active fund pool needs to shrink. Yeah, <clears throat> um, it probably could be ten percent of the size that is say, but there'll always be a need for it. Yeah. Um, what we should do is, when we don't know the source of a study, what we should do is we should just make up <laughs> some sort of consulting the group, Derrimuth, like, <laughs> Derrimuth Consulting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I tend to think that stock picking is very hard it always has been but I actually think the human element is really important I think we spoke about this at one of the destinations it may have been in, been in the live recording recently I do tend to think that a lot of what we do invest in in the world is not something that can be quantified easily on a spreadsheet or read in an annual report it's actually seeing the people make purchasing decisions and I think this is the this is for consumer facing companies of course but I, I remember when we we're talking about this in Adelaide at the roadshow saying that if Sophia walks down the street and buys a croissant, that's probably the moment for herself or itself, that's probably the moment that I would be like, I don't think stock picking is going to work because I don't, I don't know how that thing's making its decision. Yeah. But when I see humans going to JB Hi-Fi and not Harvey Norman, or when I see people using apples and being slightly happy with it yeah. versus an Android, Huawei, or something like that, um, I'm pretty confident that humans will still have a role yeah mine my answer was from professional perspective right oh, yeah, absolutely. Funds management. You're, you're, and, you are a professional yeah. <laughs> but i'm saying personal investment there's always going to be an edge to find companies oh yeah but like if you think about like running a multi-factor regression over something or whatever drew's just sucking down a bit of a, a blueberry coconut breakfast and lunch um, 
No, but if you're running a multi-factor regression over something and you're thinking, oh, look at this. This is my skill set right here. Uh, check out my spreadsheet. You're probably going to be beaten by the AI. And I've always had this view since I started investing that if you're trying to out-trade someone or you're trying to outsmart someone, you've got to know what your edge is. And that was actually my second hypothetical question here for you was, what's, what do you think the number one edge so the advantage that an individual has, so not a professional, maybe you could go professional. If you want to answer this with the lens of professional, I think it's harder to answer. But individual is easy. Individual, what is it? Time. Okay, that's me too, done. Okay, <laughs> num- the final hypothetical I've got is name your favorite meme stock. You don't have to have owned it. It could be anything. So the one that I, and this is probably bad to put on this podcast, but I, I looked at some of those Facebook groups in lockdown yep. and brain chip. Oh my God. Like- it Did was you... literally nothing. Well, I didn't tell him day. to say brain chip, by the way. Oh, what happened? Is there something I shouldn't? No, no, no. It's all right. I just cop a lot of crap for this one over the years. I've called it out, and people have been like, Death "It seriously to you. went from two cent, like on nothing." It was in a Facebook group, and it went up like four hundred percent. That was one that I just saw, and they literally had no. I don't think they had any revenue, and they were um, not saying. I think it's actually turning to a an okay. I think no, I'm, I'm not sure. No, take I one, one that back. I'm going to protect yeah. you here, mate. <laughs> Don't. They have any so, technology now. So I'll just, this is one of those stocks that just well, went maybe. crazy, like a penny stock that went crazy during the pandemic, and that's what exactly what a meme stock is because it talked about micro AI yeah, or chips of, in brands. AI on the edge, bro. Yeah, Come it was on. pre-AI. So this is yeah, before. I, this is before AI. I know I nothing cool. about this company. I just okay. So revenue for the half year, hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, down from four point. Eight million last year. Revenue. Revenue down. Yeah. <laughs> this right. is not. I'm not skipping zeros or there's not a dollar sign M there. This is 115,000. Stock based compensation, 7.3 million out the door. Operating loss, we'll just go net loss of yep. 17 million. Right. It's got 21 mil of Point cash proven. in the bank. Point proven. ASX is like, are you sure? This, I'm going to summarize what the ASX said to Brainship in its um, please explain notice. It's like, are you sure people didn't know that your results were going to be so bad? And they said, yes. However, all material information contained within the half-year report had been reported to the market at various times throughout the period. Yeah. Well, I just remember going back in time. I was like, guys, be very careful out there. It doesn't look safe. And then I did see a couple of um, comments. Um, this is this is one of the comments I got. On, I retract my comment. I got this is one of the comments I got on Twitter. You do realize that being diversified isn't going to make you rich as a private investor. The next one said, "This is effing hilarious. This one stock has already made our group and family millions." Typical commentary from someone who didn't get in on, on the ground floor. Stick to the ASX 100. Thanks for the late warning. <laughs> Let's stay away from this one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a zoo out there, folks. Okay, so my favorite meme stock is probably got to be GameStop during COVID. I don't really think it was- That was a, crazy. I don't think it was a good thing, but basically GameStop's like EB games, like we're going to buy video games. And a lot of people during COVID got bored and they saw, saw that short sellers were targeting the company, so they bought the stock, which made it impossible for the short sellers to recover their position and their hedge funds blew up. Then the stock subsequently blew up. Yeah. So everyone kind of loses. And it was in the news again today. And then Bed Bath & Beyond was kind of a good one. If you oh, know yeah. One, you know, Beyond if, Meat was another one. Yeah. Remember when that came? Oh, if you're the right uh, you're right um, cohort, you remember uh, 
old school with Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond, every time that stock comes yeah. up. <laughs> uh, don't apologize to me. Apologize yeah. to the baby. A nice little Saturday. <laughs> um, Do we have streaking. to get some questions? Or? Yeah, we'll get yeah. some. Whoa, it's 41 minutes. Okay, we've got about time for about five minutes of questions. We'll do quick fire. Jew, it's from Art Vandalay. They say, oh, general advice only. Any of the questions that we do answer are limited to general financial advice. We don't know personal circumstances, needs, goals, objectives to speak to a licensed financial advisor. Like, say, Drew here or any advisor that you trust that you can verify on moneysmart.gov.au. Check their AFSL before you hand over any money or speak to them. Art Vandalay says, just wondering, what's the best time to lodge a notice of intent for extra super contributions should be made? Like, when should I do that? I know that uh, that prior to tax lodgement and whatnot, but w- should we notify the fund ASAP, leave it till the end of the year, or try to notify when the market is higher or lower? Does that even make a difference? Basically, these, this person p- puts extra into super. They want to claim a tax deduction. Explain. I think it depends. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on the type Wait. of fund you've got. Oh, wrong button. <laughs> What's the laughing button? <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it does, like, it depends, though, because if you're in an SMSF, well, you, your tax is calculated when you lodge a tax return for that fund at the end of the year. Yeah. So, you only need to essentially do that uh, intent to claim at the end of the year or when you're lodging the tax return uh, for the fund. Um, I'd suggest maybe it is- It's the same for uh, uh, industry. Industry fund. super funds. That, yeah. Because uh, they assess the tax and will pay a refund or-, or yeah. You generally get a refund or, or some additional tax at the end of the year. You usually get one line. Yeah. So essentially, it doesn't. You don't need to do it straight away, um, and you just have to make sure you're doing it, as you said before you lodge your personal tax return. Yeah. Uh, and give a copy to your to your accountant as well. So basically, the form is something that you send to your super fund. If you're with Australian Super, use that because it's the biggest one. Um, there's a form available on their website. Print it off, send it back. Bob's your uncle. Um, then do your tax. Don't do it the other way around. And super funds work on. They'll a- do a confirmation too, by the way. Yeah, and they work on a financial year. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Marty McFly, I think this question came in from last week, Back to the Future. Um, where would futures slash managed futures, sometimes called a CTA in the game, fit in a portfolio? And what's your opinion on them? Drew, what is a managed futures fund or a CTA, as they're sometimes called? So, futures are, trading, uh, you know, you got real investments and synthetic investments. Oh. Futures, real investment being a stock or equity in a company, which you could say is also not particularly real, but um, <laughs> it's not a piece of paper anymore. And a future is basically uh, a contract that allows you to buy something like a stock at a future price, whether that's higher or lower, and essentially allows you to use leverage to bet on the future movement of that stock. Um, a managed futures strategy is essentially, and in generally, I'm sure will be corrected, is uh, a, a f- an individual fund. There's a group called Winton. There's groups like AQR and a few other similar groups. I'd have to go through the broader list mm-hmm. that try essentially tries to profit by trading futures, but it does it on quite a short-term, high-frequency basis. And uh, what they're trying to do, so when you invest into, say, a FANG ETF, you're trying to get a long-term trend, like a multi-year trend. What they're trying to get is a very short term. It could be a minute trend. It could be 30 seconds. It could be five minutes. It could be three days. Uh, and they're using futures to to trade that aggressively. Naturally, given how hard that was me trying to explain it in the easiest way, it sits in the alternative part of a portfolio. Um, and the whole premise of these strategies is to give you real returns that don't move the same way as equity and bond markets and noting that futures can be on equities and bonds and other things like commodities. Um, 
I think, as my golden rule said before. Whoa. Yep. Yeah, you know, don't bet everything on the base case. And some of these managed futures strategies have done incredibly well during periods of market stress. So when middle of COVID, uh, PIMCO has a strategy too, um, middle of GFC, all these massive shock events because they're able to switch so quickly. But a lot have also struggled during positive markets, like positive in- economy and positive uh, environment. So we've found great in shocks, but you lose patience <laughs> if there's no oh, shocks yeah. coming. Uh, but I think they're, they're sound investments and they help you manage risk, which I think is important. Yeah, so it's like throughout my age, you know, um, Beyblades. You used to like let it rip, and it just did that little thing used to spin around. No, yep. Yep, maybe it was a bit after your time. Um, so basically, you just put it in the ring and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, so it's, it's, these types of uh, black box type strategies, because you don't actually know exactly what they're doing, because that's their secret source, um, can work. Um, but they're typically only during times of massive market uncertainty because they just try it. Their sole focus is basically to stabilize the returns of the fund. Um, just real quick, uh, Drew's just having a nice blueberry <laughs> coconut smoothie. No, it's good. If From you vacation. want us to start filming these, we know that a lot of people um, do watch on YouTube, thousands of people. We're just like doing the f- fingers to the, to, to the window. <laughs> oh, no, jeez. Oh, you're doing peace signs. Peace signs. Okay. If you do want us to start filming these and watch on YouTube, let us know um, because we can do that. And we know a few thousand people do. We, um, we're about to start something called Rask Live, which goes live next <laughs> Wednesday the 13th. Um, it is a live show every week. It will be streamed via video to the Australian Shareholders Association, to Self Wealth, to Rask, to I'm trying to figure out TikTok, um, Twitter, and to LinkedIn. So no matter where you get it and you want to ask questions live and do all that and just chat with us, you can do it. So we've got some huge guests lined up already. Anyway, I think we've got time for maybe one more question, Drew. We can do two short answers. Okay. okay. Comparing cucumbers. As an inv- as an avid listener of the podcast, I find succumbing to the curse of comparison. Um, I often find myself, I think they said. I'm interested, as I'm sure many others are, as to your performance in the stock market over time, if you're willing to share. I'm interested in total return on shares as a percentage over the past five years or preferably since first stock purchase. Okay, here we go. Every zip, Playside, Halo Foods, don't know what that is, um, Volpara, Smart Pay, and Zero you've ever owned, if you're willing to share. Pull your pants down, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to tell you something. I was just doing something as Drew was telling us about managed futures. Um, I was just going back. So, Cucumber, um, every Rask member will know this forever. I've always shared all of our official investment ideas. So the full performance. Um, We closed the original Rask Invest service about a year or two ago. Um, I haven't updated the numbers. So this is full disclosure, but um, the portfolio I think is near double the return. I just do average stock picks. I don't, it's not time weighted. Um, If you just did a simple mean average, we're about double the return of the benchmark over that period. Um, past performance, not indicative future performance, all that. Um, our rockets service number one absolutely crushed the ISO small small cap index. Uh, our rockets service number two absolutely got smoked by the index by a tune of about 20 percentage points. Um, these are all available for previous members who followed me. Um, and as for the Waddle Partners portfolios, they're available to every client every quarter. Um, so, And you can always just call the guys as well. So... Um, We've just covered our ideas many times on the show. Yeah. Um, I don't have no idea what Halo Foods is, 
But um, we have some, we, this is why we laugh about our worst ideas because we just, we're telling you that it's, we don't get everything right, especially us. <laughs> we don't get everything right, but we're here to build wealth over time. And the way you do that, it's a balancing act. It's the average of all the returns that you you achieve. Yeah. And I do better for my clients than I do for myself, which is pretty yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, actually, that's probably fair to, to say for me. Oh, actually, about the same. I invest in the same thing, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, our, our Aussie equities, uh, the, the one thing we do direct is Aussie equities for, yeah, for yeah. most clients, and that's generally outperformed yeah. um, over the last five, ten years. I mean, my own portfolio, I've outperformed in international stocks and my global or my growth exposure, but not in my Aussie equity. Naturally, you know why. We don't Zip. talk about them. Uh, okay, speaking of, we'll just jump straight down the bottom then for a bit of fun to end the show. <clears throat> Charlie Warren Iron Plums Belfort says, Hi. Thanks for coming to Bris Vegas. Is that someone who lives in Brisbane also calling it Bris Vegas? I think so. Okay. What a bloody beautiful city I Brisbane is. I thought we would have mentioned the Andrew Derriman, Derrimeth, Derra legend, man okay. myth legend. No. Okay, quick. Let's, let's go quick. Let's go quick. No, just the, the Oh, okay. The just name the name. Effect, yeah. yeah. Okay. Andrew Derriman, Derrimeth, Derra legend. <laughs> That's fair to say. Anyway, back to Bris Vegas from Charlie Warren, Iron Plums, Belfort. On stage, you again reiterated a preference for founder-led companies. So, here's the question I didn't get to ask in person. Your view changed on Dubba. The most recent capital raise, and quotes, includes $1.25 million committed by Dubba directors and management, end quote. FY23 investor update slide looks slick, and Oscar Piastri is still, quote, global ambassador for Dubba, end quote. What's not to love? Cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Super competitive market. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'll- admit I don't follow the company that well. I just look at closely whenever Owen talks about it and we all like to <laughs> dig into him a little bit. Um, yeah. I just, uh, like there's a lot of companies, Zip's another example, where it's just so competitive in that market and carving out a niche and then actually commercializing that niche to a level and doing it from Australia when you've got global competitors in there. Um, and I'm always wary of uh, having a slick- uh, Wait, what? Uh, ambassador. I've just got the annual report up well. for, for June 30th. Yeah, anyone that has a global ambassador, yeah, yeah, get yeah, out. Yeah. It's always, you're always wary. And <laughs> oh, advertising. Oprah Winfrey, get out. And spending on advertising. <laughs> um, yeah, we have, we have some people approach us who want to sponsor these podcasts, like some really unusual characters, and they say, and we've got the global ambassador, such and such, and it's a sports person. And I'm like, yeah, no. what do they have to do with finance? I don't care. No. They're not, just the fact that you had to say that makes me think I'm not interested. Anyway- Dubber reported a $68 million net loss to June 30th. And this is the crazy thing, Drew. They had $2.8 million of cash. That's good. They raised $1.25. All I'm saying- Should we have a real question before we <laughs> I feel like we my, should have my one opinion real has question. Not changed I've got just enough time. My opinion has not changed on Dubber. And I just worry that I think that companies like Brainship are the next Dubber. Um, I, I wish everyone all the best, but just I, what I don't like is when people who run these companies, I believe, are not 100% honest. I think CEOs have a moral obligation to balance the stock price both up and down, yeah. not just up. To Yeah, fee to, to push back on valuations and, exactly. and, uh, when appropriate. It's in the best interest of everyone over the ultra long term, which is my focus. Now, that's not to say that they've done anything untoward, not at all, but just- Make sure that you're finding a, a CEO that does that. Okay, Part of that's the job of the board. Uh, well. I, I, this is the thing. Like, like even with the Alan Joyce thing for Qantas, yeah. everyone's blaming Alan Joyce. It's the bloody board that oversees him. Yeah. Have a go at Short-term them. Short-term incentives. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's the board. Anyway, last question, Drew. 
from this guy? Yeah, I thought that was a, that was a good one to start with. Are there any brokers Finish. that provide low cost, efficient, direct access to shares in Europe, e.g., ASML, Siemens, VW, or Porsche? Interactive brokers. Interactive brokers is I, good. I believe um, interactive brokers is the the only one that most people would use for something like this to go broader into these sort of companies because you're looking yeah. beyond the kind of uh, the Roche and the yeah no that's a yeah, bit if, more niche but rather the, than yeah, the top fifty names in list on FTSE ETF or something like that exchange yeah you if you're looking for direct stocks yeah they tend to be one of the leaders I we, I don't use them um, and there are minimums and there are fees read the terms and conditions of FSG and all that but they are typically the one that's seen as the global trading platform of choice yeah but just be mindful with all of these platforms when you look overseas because they basically go across jurisdictions you've got currency risk you've got spreads you've got fees but another thing that you might also just want to be mindful of is the custodians and how they are yeah. i guess uh holding your assets who is holding your assets and how are they reg- regulated in those jurisdictions exactly um we use platforms yeah. for these so we've used hub 24 we went yep. to launch of cfs um edge the other day and a lot of them do these overseas they, they've got a custodian for yep. you and you can hold these stocks next to aussie stocks next to term deposits that's why advisors kind of like the platforms even yep. though they come at a cost it is a benefit of seeing a financial um, advisor yeah. and it's so much broader yeah. And easier. But I've used Comsec. If you can actually get an o- account open on Comsec Retail and International, oh, they've just you, upgraded you're loving it. Like, if you can get it. Oh, yeah. It took about three years, but <laughs> sorry, Comsec. <laughs> By then, the W8 Ben forms expired and you got to do it again. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't record in the morning anymore. <laughs> just calling it like it is. In trouble. This year. Um, I think I've got a cracking dad joke for okay, you. Okay, final dad joke. Take us off into the distance. Oh, actually, before you do that. Uh, get in touch with Waddle Partners, waddlepartners.com.au. There's a link in your show notes which says financial planning. Retirement advice, go to Drew and the team at Waddle Partners. Retirement experts right here. Uh, you can find out more about what we're doing at Rask. You can head to the link in your show notes. Mortgage broking, what else is there? We're working on something behind the scenes. A lot of people know that I've dropped this hint a few times. We're working on something big behind the scenes. It's a huge, huge, huge step in the way Rask is going to be perceived and what we do. But I can't say anything yet. I will be able to share more in about two weeks. Um, Drew, you've got to take us off into the distance. You're floating off overseas next week, and we are wishing you all the best on your road to betterment. We're going to record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll find a way. Live from New York. <laughs> it's Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> um, find take, the right time. Take us off into the distance with a lovely joke. I tried donating blood today. Never again. Really? What happened? Too many stupid questions. Whose blood is it? Where did you get it from? Why is it in a bucket? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's probably the best one yet, I reckon, mate. So, well done to you. And uh, as always, thanks for joining me. Good to see you. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, 
Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.